Welcome to another very special episode of Vanilla Weiss and the Nostalgic Nerds. This time we have a new special guest and we've got two returning celebrities in the house, including executive producer of this podcast. You know him from Salute Your Shorts as the great Bobby Budnick. You know him from Terminator 2 as the red mullet kid who helped save the world by not ratting out John Connor. And I know, bitch. Yeah, exactly. You know him as the cute little Sam, adorable Sam McKinney in different strokes. Let's welcome the great Danny Cooksey back. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> and another celebrity in the house joining us. His, he's a professional cartoonist slash artist. His artwork is famous all over the internet. Let's welcome my man, Brett Wilson, back. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And a newcomer, we've got a newcomer in the house, another 90s nostalgia, not like the rest of us. Let's welcome my man, Chris Rankin. What's going on, guys? You got to get closer to me. What's going on, guys? But yeah. So, Chris, you grew up with all that stuff, too, 90s Nick, right? Oh, yeah. Did you, Were you a Salute Your Shorts watcher? In, the, like, early 90s, like, that was at 91, 92. That was my favorite show on Nickelodeon. Nice. Thank you. Who's, it, was, it, was a, it was a pretty decent uh, lineup during yeah. the 90s. I remember um, it was that. I remember... Um, what was that? Are you afraid of the dark? I remember Pete and Pete. You know, it's yep. uh, my memory is a little foggy from uh, uh, what's. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was the nineties. I understand. Also, yeah, I, I I didn't help things myself, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's all right. Danny's memory about salute your shorts is just as foggy. Yeah, yeah. Dan knows more about the show than I do. Yeah, that's what caught his attention the very first time that we interacted. That I was describing all these details from the show on a public post, and he saw it, and he didn't remember any of what I was posting about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hopefully got some memories. Yeah, I know. Right. Brett's memory is more like mine. Um. If you need to remember anything, Brett will, Brett will draw it for you. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. good. I need to hire Brett just as a, as a, as like a draw shit that I don't remember. Yeah, I guarantee. Yeah, he'll everything he draws of you. Like, um, he can show you a picture of it, and you'll be like, I don't remember that. Dan can explain it, and then I'll go, oh, yeah, 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 I did do that. Yeah. Hey, that's good enough for me. <laughs> but, yeah, Brett draws everything from um, Ren and Stimpy, Salute Your Shorts, Are You Afraid? He actually has his own Are You Afraid of the Dark book he just came out with. Nice. Yeah, you can buy it yeah. on the internet. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's called uh, Harry Tells the Ultimate Unofficial Guide to the Are You Afraid of the Dark. And I did a Kickstarter for it back in October of 2020 to uh, raise funds for it. And uh, basically chronicles all, all there is to know about the history of Are You Afraid of the Dark up until the point where I produced it. So, um, you know, it covers all the original seasons. It covers the two revival seasons near 
turn of the century, and then it even touches upon uh, the 2019 reboot, uh, but not the one from uh, February because I already came out with the book before then. So I'll have to release a, a more updated version in the coming years uh, that includes that as well. But it's basically a love letter to any Are You the Dark fan out there who, um, you know, grew up with the show and loved it and want, maybe wants to get their kids into it. So, yeah, if that kind of thing interests you, uh, get in touch with me. I can send you a copy. I only have a few left from the Kickstarter, like extremely limited quantities, but I'm currently working on getting it to retail online for, like, Amazon, Bones & Noble. And that's quite a process, so uh, it'll take some time before that's widely available. But yeah, um, and Danny was actually on an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I, I guarantee he doesn't remember the name of the episode like Brett and I do. <laughs> no, yeah. definitely I don't. It had something to do with Egypt. That's what, that's what I remember. Yeah, Egypt. He doesn't even remember his really cute co-host who played his sister in the episode. <laughs> I don't. You know what? Here's, the funny thing. I, I, here's what I remember of... of, of that particular show. Um, I got awesome tickets to go see some Montreal Canadiens games in Montreal. Um, I had some amazing food in Montreal, and I saw uh, Steve Tyler at the hotel. They're my memories from Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't remember bringing the mummy to life either. No, I don't. That I don't remember. Good. That saved his that dreams. <laughs> yeah, good. It saved his dreams. Now he's not going to have nightmares about that mummy because he doesn't remember it. Uh, no. <laughs> you, you know, the one episode I remember that scared the shit out of me as a kid was it was the photograph episode where it steals your soul every time you get photographed. Do you remember that episode? Was that the one with the guy who was the captured souls? The one? Yeah. Yeah, the one where they stayed at that like bed and breakfast hotel that was run by that supposed teenage boy. And yeah. it turned out he was an old man, really, but he stayed young by making all his guests older to the point where they all like died. I don't know. I, I think so. I'm not exactly sure. Or, My memory is too far. Or it could be the one where the if you f took a picture, something it, it, bad happened. It was something about taking a picture, like it would uh, steal your soul, and like I think uh, Native Americans wouldn't take pictures. The people there like refused to take photos because of it. That sounds like uh, captured souls because he opened her tail with that mentioning of the whole Native American camera thing. Yeah, that was a great episode, and that's one of those episodes it took till I was older for me to really understand it as a kid. I didn't understand that episode really at all, but it's uh, but that's it was such a cool concept, and once you understand it, it's actually pretty freaky. The thought of going to a hotel where you're literally aged to death. Yeah. Age to death. That sounds horrible. Yeah, and what's ironic, I know I'm probably going to get crucified by the public for saying this, but one thing I was joking about, Brett, about that episode, the family that starred in it was an African-American family, and what's ironic about a black family starring in an episode of that is they're always stereotyped for 
aging really well for being known to age really well, and the whole episode was about aging. Yeah. 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 It was almost like they purposely did that to be to to break the stereotype. That is true. That is true. When I think back about it, they were very forward thinking in that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I think that I feel like the nineties was, feels like it was almost a more forward progressive environment than today's atmosphere. For real. Cause in, yeah, yeah, in the nineties, I don't really recall most of the big problems we have now Maybe it's just because we didn't have, like, cameras on our phone and everything to film everything, but the 90s seemed to go pretty more smoothly than just about any other decade when it came to stuff like that. Feels like we took a couple steps back. Danny, did we lose you? No, I'm here. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely feels like we took quite a a few steps back in that regard. It's like the technology is fucking amazing, but people became assholes, you know? Yeah, there's a serious trade-off there for the convenience, and it makes me think about Captain Souls as well, because I don't know how Kiki would revise her story if, like, it was updated to modern times where everyone had a had a camera taking selfies of everyone else. I feel like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, with entertainment, that's why it's so easy for entertainment to become dated because all those concepts switch with the times. Yeah, some age better than others. Yeah, some just have to look at it as if it, you know it's from its time. It's, it's more like a time capsule in that regard. <laughs> to respect it as such. But yeah, that other um, camera episode that I thought he was talking about, Curious Camera, starred a young, um, the guy who starred in it was Paul Finch from American Pie. Yeah, that was actually his first role on there. Uh, DJ McHale once told me when I, I met up with him that uh, he remembers him like meeting up with him later out of the blue. And he's like, thank you so much for giving me that shot because apparently that launched his career. And um, very similarly with um, Neve Campbell because she hasn't done much stuff as any before her role on Dangerous Soup. And then oh, yeah. screen, she becomes a megastar. So I think that because of the, the very nurturing, open-minded um, breeding ground on Are You Say the Dark, a lot, a lot of celebrities to kind of go in there and see how it can catapult them to bigger and better things in uh, the entertainment Well, and what's ironic about Nev Campbell starring in an episode is that given, um, is that she became the scream queen, the big scream queen, and it almost feels like it was intentional that they would cast her on that show before her starring in movies like Scream in the Craft. She screams really well in that episode, too. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, in my older age, I came to appreciate more of the episodes like that one that didn't have happy endings. I remember as a kid, they always depressed me, but now I look back and I'm like, those were the scariest episodes, the ones that ended tragically. I hate to say it. It seems like most like real life. Say so, yeah. yeah. It's not always a happy ending. Sometimes it is. Not always, though. Yeah. Danny's trying to remember if his story had a happy ending. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sitting here going like, yeah, wow, you guys are really thinking deep about all this shit. Yeah. From the other side, we just sort of showed up and and did what you know was asked of us. (laughs) (laughs) You, you guys are thinking deep into it. Yeah, I know. He's over there, like. I can't remember. Did I die at the end or not? Yeah, yeah. What happened to the camp? Did it get blown up? Like it just, it just ended. Yeah. I, I can, I can fill that info in if you guys want, because I remember Guardians of Curse pretty freshly in my mind. Please do. So basically, what That's happens awesome. is um, Doctor Capel Smith or Capel Smith, depending on how you pronounce it, traps Josh, Cleo, and their father in the basement of the museum. And he, like, wants the ring of the attorney and the elixir of life from both of them so that he can attain immortality due to the clues from the Egyptian hieroglyphs on Mina the mummy's sarcophagus. And so yeah. he, he tries to, like, torch all the boxes in the basement with, like, you know, kerosene-soaked boxes to make the entire thing blow up um, as, like, a bargaining chip. And, you know, uh, he ends up getting both, you know, he ends up getting... The Ring of Eternity, I believe, and from Cleo, puts it on, and then he's like, "Behold, you're now in the presence of an immortal." And then he realizes that, oh wait, it needs both of them to work, and he ends up turning into this weird Egyptian stone sculpture. And then, uh, you know, the character Josh scraps uh, the torch at the last moment before everything goes kaboom. Danny, then, that was uh, you. You were Josh. <laughs> I was Josh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, thanks, thanks, thanks. Depending on how you look at it. Um, and then the money shows up, and then when Cleo and Josh give both the items to her, she kind of returns back to her former youthful, like, Queen Pharaoh form. And uh, for some reason, she takes a liking to uh, the, the father character here. And then, um, you know, Danny Cooks and Flash, Josh says, I wonder if she likes to ski or knows how to ski. And then there's a nice little transition to, like, a, a campfire cave painting behind them that smoothly transitions to the midnight side of campfire. And it was told by Tucker, right? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, it was his second tale um, since he made an appearance in the series. Yeah, if Chris can't remember, um, Tucker was the little brother from the Midnight Society, the one who pretty much most of them couldn't stand. I, I don't. My memory is too foggy. It's too much pot and other uh, substances. <laughs> True. But yeah, and Danny, you were somewhat of a Nick fan yourself in the 80s with, like, you can't do that on television, right? Did we lose you? I, I think that in, in the... No, I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that, like, in the, the like, 
like 90s Nickelodeon, like especially uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, was one of those shows that really, it's like you had to pay attention to. You know, they gave it the benefit of the doubt to be able to follow a plot line and follow some storyline as opposed to like now where things are just sort of spoon fed to you. You don't really have to think about it. You know, and you, there's no deep thought. There's right. no like, oh, that's that's combined into this. And, and, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why, like, the Marvel movies are so good. It, it can give you action adventure, uh, you know, on a plate. But you also have to pay attention to the storyline and how that interacts with this and that. And, and you know, I, so many things are dumbed down now because uh, everything has to be a 30-second soundbite that they don't give you time to sort of grow and, and, you know, give you the benefit of the doubt that, you know, you can understand what's going on. Yeah, well, even like how in Salute Your Shorts, there were a few episodes where they made references throughout the episode to, um, old, to old classic movies that at that age we would have never picked up on, like, they made they made a parody of Citizen Kane in the episode where Pinsky and Sponge write for the for the camp paper. In that episode, I remember Dina, the guy who dumped her via pen pal, was was named Rosebud. And for the rest of the episode, you see her crying for her lost Rosebud. I actually remember that episode vaguely, but I remember it. But yeah, that's one, of course, none of us picked up on when we were kids. And then once we finally grew up and watched Citizen Kane is when we picked up on the reference. <laughs> and then I think I think one of the things that, that sort of brought that era of television was that it really was made as rather than here's something for the kids, here's something for the kids, but here's something that the parents can watch, too. Yeah. So there's a lot of all of shows have this sort of cross reference thing, and I think that's the reason that like uh, SpongeBob and a lot of the other, you know sort of the later Nickelodeon shows were really successful. Perfect example of that the parents can watch it with the kids and go, "That's cool." Like I, I get the I I get the joke. The kids don't get it, but I get it. You know, uh, I think uh, Teen Titans Go is another great example of that. That sort of like. A modern day show that is just so odd that you know even the parents can sit down and go that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it reminds them of Adult Swim of watching Adult Swim, just the stone, the quirky stoner aspect of it. But yeah, they made a reference to that in another in the tennis match episode. They made references to the Godfather. And oh, I like that one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, where you first call in Telly and we're giving her the proposition at your desk, what she needed to earn your tennis racket. That was the the Godfather. <laughs> and and they in the one episode they made fun of that old classic forties movie, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, but instead you guys were looking for the treasure of Sarah Maud. Yeah, that was the episode where at the very end you got absolutely drenched in that uh, that hole you guys like d dug underground. Oh man, that must have been tough to act in. Probably cold too, right? That that one I do remember. <laughs> I remember being. They basically ran a uh, like a fire hose up underneath the ground 
big hole and then just turn the fire hose full blast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they definitely tried to give you pneumonia on that show between that and drenching you with water balloons. You know, listen, listen, I I got, as, as far as anybody on that show, I got off so easy. (laughs) Interesting. <laughs> well, only I spent I spent very little time in a cast shower. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, they already gave you a shower in both those scenes. You didn't need yeah, any more I, of a I, shower. I was good to go. My my character never never really got uh, any of the uh, the stuff. Yeah, it's I, like I never got the, I never got the business. It's like, well, would you need a shower for to wash off the water? No, you know, I think the shower was 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 built at the uh, at our interior uh, warehouse where we filmed all the interiors. That was that was basically Kirk's shower because that poor guy had to like rinse off eggs and flour and meat. Yeah, for those who don't know, Kirk was Ugg, the counselor, Kevin Ugly. <laughs> he, was, he was having to you know utilize that. Uh, Utilize the shower. Yeah, I know. The poor guy. Um, That's how you know somebody's a dedicated actor. They'll put themselves through hell and back like that, knowing it's going to happen. Yeah, and the funny thing is, it was, also, it was so lighthearted and, and, and fun. Yeah. That it, uh, you know, I mean, we were, we were just having a ball. So Brett draws, makes a bunch of um, Salute Your Shorts artwork, drawings, and paintings. I've seen them. They're fantastic. I have no art history. Like, I can't draw. I'll, I'll fuck up stick figures. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That's, that's amazing. Brett, do you have any pointers for him? Um, well, I mean, it helps to um, draw from life as a reference and deconstruct things in basic shapes. So I usually, like, use circles for heads and then from there, I just kind of use like versions of cylinders for like arms and legs. So it's just kind of a matter of studying things and applying your own unique style to it. Um, I don't know what else I can suggest other than yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a lost cause. I mean, I'm 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 like the uh, I'm like the last person anybody wants in like Pictionary. They're like, oh my god, I can't believe you're my partner. I'm so we're, we're so changed. <laughs> I just, I'm just i the guy that just makes a circle and keeps pointing towards it. <laughs> well, there's something you might be excited to hear about because um, starting June 1st this year is the 30th anniversary of Blue Shorts. And I figured, you know, I don't, I don't really know what anyone else is doing for that, but I'll be drawing every single episode of the show to kind of honor and commemorate it as well as do a nice. design go. Did you just say, you said 30 years? 30? 30? God, we're getting old. Yep, 30. Boy, that's almost depressing. That's almost depressing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'm doing that to honor the series, and hopefully it goes well, and I'll get you guys in on it. Yeah, um, what's it called? He can make a whole storyboard about every single episode and see if you remember any of it. He can refresh your memory. You know, there's probably one or two parts of, of each episode that I remember. But yeah, what's it called? He doesn't even remember getting what was supposed to be pancake mix dumped all over him. You only know that happened because you have a picture of it. <laughs> 
that wasn't that wouldn't be a hard one for me to remember since that was my favorite episode. That was the one where you became counselor. Yeah, that one, what's it called? I remember it was called Upside Down Week at Camp, and that's why they switched roles. Yeah, where all the girls dressed up as guys and I vice versa. Yeah. I remember that episode. Yeah. And all the guys were dressed up as old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Donkey Lips had like a... One Donkey of, Lips. Yeah. I, I, have, <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's, I have not heard that name in... God knows how many years. He's actually on social media. Um, so many of those 90s Nick stars are on social media. <laughs> like, nice. Yeah, I, I recently interacted and became friends with the woman, speaking of 80s Nick, the woman who played um, the mother in various adult roles on You Can't Do That on Television. That was a good show. I, I was a kid when yeah. I was out. I was, I was three, four years old, five years old. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that show was literally like the show that at the time it, when people thought of Nickelodeon, they thought of that show. That was yeah. the inventor of the green slime. What was the uh, the, yeah. the lunch guy's name? Barf. Barf. Yeah, the Barf. restaurant yeah. owner. Yeah. I, I still remember as a little kid. When I was obsessed with that show and I didn't know what the word barf meant and my brother, knowing I didn't know what it meant, told me to tell our mom that her cooking tastes like barf. And I, and so I thought it was, he was referencing the show. So thinking that's what he meant, I told her that. And <laughs> funny enough, she didn't get mad at me. She got mad at him because she knew I didn't know what it meant and she knew that he must have told me to say it. I enjoyed that show because it had um, it had the stuff coming out of the lockers, which was sort of a throwback to like um, laughing. Oh, yeah. Even, even at a young age, I'm like, that's really cool. As a young kid, I remember enough about laughing that I went like, you know, you know, adult humor is. And I thought for a, a when I saw that, I went, that's laughing. You know, they're coming out of the boxes and sort of telling jokes and doing that. And I went, like, that's really cool. Yeah, and one thing I love about the show is just the boundaries they pushed on it. It was literally probably, like, the absolute darkest, most un-PC show that was intended for kids. <laughs> yeah. I remember back then, the things, like, we could do as kids, like, our parents didn't really watch us like they do the kids. The, uh, they do with the kids nowadays. I mean, I could just walk away from the house, go miles away. And back then, it was very happy-go-lucky. You know, you weren't worried about yeah. anything. But yeah, Definitely. it was more like a sense of trust between everyone, and less about like verifying stuff on phone. So it's nice to have that creative freedom, or really just freedom of any kind, growing up in an environment like that. Well, and plus back then, people knew how to take humor and realize, and they were able to see the clever aspect and that kind of humor rather than just focusing on the negative about it. Like, I feel like right. even with the absolute most horrific topics, 
as long as you're clever about it and people know you're not just simply trying to be inflammatory for the sake of being inflammatory that um that you get a much better reaction i feel like people can tell when somebody's not putting much thought into the inflammatoriness and just simply trying to shock people yeah the intention is very different in both of those situations people can pick up on that through the context of their words so i agree with you there yeah definitely yeah like um what's it called I know how nowadays even Weird Al, like, um, they wouldn't allow songs like Fat because people would complain about it being insensitive and insulting to heavy people when, um, what's as sensitive a topic as that may be, he managed to make it very clever, so it was hard for anybody to be against that song. Yeah, I don't think it was his original intent back in the late 80s to, uh, heavier set people it's just more of like how can i cleverly you know write these lyrics that contrast you know michael jackson's lyrics to bad and that's how i thought growing up and i think i think there was a different perspective on media back then that's not really present now because of the overabundance of different types of media and it just seems like people yeah. harp on little things now versus <laughs> the, the, like, oh we're just taking it in good fun yeah they, they're yeah. nowadays they're looking for things to create controversy over so the first half hour is about to stop. So um, yeah, I'm just gonna click stop real quick, save the episode, and then click record again. Okay. Welcome to another very special episode of Vanilla Weiss and the Nostalgic Nerds. This time we have a new special guest, and we've got two returning celebrities in the house, including executive producer of this podcast you know him from salute your shorts as the great bobby budnick you know him from terminator 2 as the red mullet kid who helped save the world by not ratting out john connor and i know bitch yeah exactly you know him as the cute little sam adorable sam mckinney and different strokes let's welcome the great danny cooksey back Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> and another celebrity in the house joining us. His He's a professional cartoonist slash artist. His artwork is famous all over the internet. Let's welcome my man, Brett Wilson, back. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And a we've got a newcomer in the house. Another 90s nostalgia, not like the rest of us. Let's welcome my man, Chris Rankin. What's going on, guys? You got to get closer to me. What's going on, guys? But yeah, so Chris, you grew up with all that stuff too, 90s Nick, right? Oh, yeah. Did you, were you a Salute Your Shorts watcher? In the like, early 90s, like, that was at 91, 92, that was my favorite show on Nickelodeon. Nice. Thank you. Who's cool. it, was, it was a it was a pretty decent uh, lineup during yeah. the nineties. I remember um, it was that. I remember um, what was that? Are you afraid of the dark? I remember Pete and Pete. You know, it's yep. uh, my memory is a little foggy from uh, uh, what's. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was the nineties. I understand. Uh, also, yeah, I, I I didn't help things myself, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. 
That's all right. Danny's memory about the salute your shorts is just as foggy. Yeah, yeah. Dan knows more about the show than I do. Yeah, that's what caught his attention the very first time that we interacted. That I was describing all these details from the show on a public post, and he saw it, and he didn't remember any of what I was posting about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hopefully, Yeah, I know. Right. Brett's memory is more like mine. Um. If you need to remember anything, Brett will, Brett will draw it for you. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. good. I need to hire Brett just as a, as a, as like a draw shit that I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I guarantee, yeah, he'll, everything he draws of you, like, um, he can show you a picture of it and you'll be like, I don't remember that. Dan can explain it, and then I'll go, oh, yeah, 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 I did do that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's good enough for me. <laughs> but, yeah, Brett draws everything from um, Ren and Stimpy, Salute Your Shorts, Are You Afraid? He actually has his own Are You Afraid of the Dark book he just came out with. Nice. Yeah, you can buy it yeah. on the internet. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And Danny was actually on an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I, I guarantee he doesn't remember the name of the episode like Brett and I do. No, yeah. definitely I don't. It had something to do with Egypt. That's what, that's what I remember. Yeah, Egypt. He doesn't even remember his really cute co-host who played his sister in the episode. <laughs> I don't. You know what? Here's, the funny thing. I, I, here's what I remember of, of, of that particular show. Um, I got awesome tickets to go see some Montreal Canadiens games in Montreal. Um, I had some amazing food in Montreal, and I saw uh, Steve Tyler at the hotel. Through my memories from Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't remember bringing the mummy to life either. No, I don't. That I don't remember. Good. That saved his that dreams. <laughs> yeah, good. It saved his dreams. Now he's not going to have nightmares about that mummy because he doesn't remember it. Uh, no. <laughs> you, you know, the one episode I remember that scared the shit out of me as a kid 
was it was the photograph episode where it steals your soul every time you get photographed. Do you remember that episode? Well, was that the one with the guy who was the captured souls? The one, yeah, yeah, the one where they stayed at that like bed and breakfast hotel that was run by that supposed teenage boy, and yeah. it turned out he was an old man, really, but. He stayed young by making all his guests older to the point where they all like died. I don't know. I, I think so. I'm not exactly sure. Or, My memory's too far. Or it could be the one where the if you f- took a picture, something it, it, bad happened. It was something about taking a picture, like it would uh, steal your soul, and like I think uh, Native Americans wouldn't take pictures, and the people there like refused to take photos because of it. That sounds like a uh, captured soul because opened her tail with that mentioning of the whole Native American camera thing. Yeah, that was a great episode, and that's one of those episodes it took till I was older for me to really understand it as a kid. I didn't understand that episode really at all, but it's uh, but that's it was such a cool concept, and once you understand it, it's actually pretty freaky, the thought of going to a hotel where you're literally aged to death. Yeah. Aged to death. That sounds horrible. Yeah. And what's ironic, I know I'm probably going to get crucified by the public for saying this, but one thing I was joking about, Brett, about that episode, the family that starred in it was an African-American family and, What's ironic about a black family starring in an episode of that is they're always stereotyped for aging really well, for being known to age really well, and the whole episode was about aging. Almost like they purposely did that to be to to break the stereotype. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Are You the Dark, a lot of their episodes were very uh, forward thinking in that regard. Like um, Kill the Super Specs episode before it back then featured a, a mixed racial uh, couple of Mary Beth and Weeds, and at the time that was pretty progressive. You weren't seeing much of that. That is true. That is true. When I think back about it, they were very forward thinking in that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I think that I feel like the 90s was feels like it was almost a more forward progressive environment than today's atmosphere. For real. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, in the 90s, I don't really recall most of the big problems we have now. Maybe it's just because we didn't have, like, cameras on our phone and everything to film everything, but the 90s seemed to go pretty more smoothly than just about any other decade when it came to stuff like that. Feels like we took a couple steps back. Danny, did we lose you? No, I'm here. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely feels like we took quite a a few steps back in that regard. It's like the technology is fucking amazing, but... People became assholes, you know? Yeah, there's a serious trade off there for the convenience, and it makes me think about Captain Souls as well because I don't know how Kiki would revise her story if, like, it was updated to modern times where everyone had a had a camera taking selfies of everyone else. I feel like that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. I followed the rules of that story. Yeah, 
Well, that's the thing. Yeah, with entertainment, that's why it's so easy for entertainment to become dated because all those concepts switch with the times. Yeah, some age better than others. Yeah. You just have to look at it as if it, you know, it's from its time. It's more like a time capsule in that regard. <laughs> to respect it as such. But yeah, that other um, camera episode that I thought he was talking about, Curious Camera, starred a young, um, the guy who starred in it was Paul Finch from American Pie. Yeah, that was actually his first role on there. Uh, G.G. McHale once told me when I, I met up with him that uh, he remembers him like meeting up with him later out of the blue. And he's like, thank you so much for giving me that shot because apparently that launched his career. And um, very similarly with Neve um, Campbell because he hasn't done much stuff as any before her role on Dangerous Soup, and then oh, yeah. she becomes a megastar. So I think that because of the, the very nurturing, open-minded um, breeding ground on Are You Afraid of Dark, it allowed a lot of celebrities to kind of go in there and see how it can catapult them to bigger and better things in uh, the entertainment scene. Well, and what's ironic about Nev Campbell starring in an episode is that given um, is that she became the scream queen, the big scream queen, and it almost feels like it was intentional that they would cast her on that show before her starring in movies like Scream in the Craft. Right? It was almost foreshadowing what they knew was going to happen. And she screams really well in that episode, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, in my older age, I came to appreciate more the episodes like that one that didn't have happy endings. I remember as a kid, they always depressed me. But now I look back and I'm like, those were the scariest episodes, the ones that ended tragically. I hate to say it. It seems like most like real life. So, yeah. yeah. It's not always a happy ending. Sometimes it is. Not always, though. Yeah. Dan Danny's trying to remember if his story had a happy ending. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sitting here going like, yeah, wow, you guys are really thinking deep about all this shit. Yeah. Just, as, from the other side, we I just sort of showed up and, and did what you know what was asked of us. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are thinking deep into it. Yeah, I know. He's over there like, I can't remember. Did I die at the end or not? Yeah. Yeah, what happened to the camp? Did it get blown up? Like, well, it, just, it just ended. Yeah. I, I can I can fill that info in if you guys want, because I remember Guardians of the Curse pretty freshly in my mind. Please do. So basically what That's happens awesome. is um, Dr. Capel Smith, or Capel Smith, depending on how you pronounce it, traps Josh, Cleo, and their father in the basement of the museum. And he, like, wants the ring of the attorney and the elixir of life from both of them so that he can attain immortality due to the clues from the Egyptian hieroglyphs on Mina the mummy's sarcophagus. And so yeah. he, he tries to, like, torch all the boxes in the basement with, like, you know, kerosene-soaked boxes to make the entire thing blow up um, as, like, a bargaining chip. And, you know, uh, he ends up getting both... You know, he ends up getting... The Ring of Eternity, I believe, and from Cleo, puts it on, and then he's like, Behold, you're now in the presence of an immortal. And then he realizes that, oh, wait, it needs both of them to work, and he ends up turning into this weird Egyptian stone sculpture. And then, uh, you know, the character Josh uh, grabs the torch at the last moment before everything 
Danny, that was uh, you. You were Josh. <laughs> I was Josh. Okay. Yeah, I'm Dick Kirby, depending how you look at it. Um, and then the money shows up, and then when Cleo and Josh give both the items to her, she kind of returns back to her former youthful, like, Queen Pharaoh form. And uh, for some reason, she takes a liking to uh, the, the father character here. And then, um, you know... Danny Cooks and Flash, Josh says, I wonder if she likes to ski or knows how to ski. And then there's a nice little transition to like a, a campfire cave painting behind them that smoothly transitions to the midnight society campfire. And it was told by Tucker, right? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, it was his second tale um, since he made an appearance in the series. Yeah. If Chris can't remember, um, Tucker was the little brother from the Midnight Society, the one who pretty much most of them couldn't stand. I, I don't. My memory is too foggy. It's too much pot and other uh, substances. <laughs> he, he was a little, little bit like Scrappy-Doo from the Scooby-Doo series. You know, he had lots of energy, loved, loved to cause trouble and pranks, but he, he evened out and matured over the season, so that's good at least. True. But yeah, and Danny, you were somewhat of a Nick fan yourself in the 80s with, like, you can't do that on television, right? Did we lose you? I, I think that in, in the... No, I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that, like, in the, the like 90s Nickelodeon, like, especially uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark was one of those shows that really, it's like you have to pay attention to. You know, they gave it the benefit of the doubt to be able to follow a plot line and follow some storyline as opposed to, like now, where things are just sort of spoon-fed to you. You don't really have to think about it. You know what I mean? There's no deep thought. There's right. no like, oh, that's that's combined into this. And, and, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why, like, the Marvel movies are so good. It, it can give you action-adventure, uh, you know, on a plate. But you also have to pay attention to the storyline and how that interacts with this and that. And, and you know, I, so many things are dumbed down now because uh, everything has to be a 30-second soundbite that they don't give you time to sort of grow and, and, you know, give you the benefit of the doubt that, you know, you can understand what's going on. Yeah, well, even like how in Salute Your Shorts, there were a few episodes where they made references throughout the episode to... Um, Old, to old classic movies that at that age we would have never picked up on. Like they made they made a parody of Citizen Kane in the episode where Pinsky and Sponge write for the for the camp paper. In that episode, I remember Dina, the guy who dumped her via pen pal, was was named Rosebud. And for the rest of the episode, you see her crying for her lost Rosebud. I yeah. actually remember that episode vaguely, but I remember it. But, but yeah, that's one, of course, none of us picked up on when we were kids. And then once we finally grew up and watched Citizen Kane is when we picked up on the reference. <laughs> and then I think I think one of the things that, that sort of brought that era of television was that it really was made as... Rather than here's something for the kids, here's something for the kids, but here's something that the parents can watch too. Yeah. So there's a lot of all of their shows have this sort of cross reference thing, and I think that's the reason that like uh, SpongeBob and a lot of the other you know sort of the later Nickelodeon shows were really successful 
Yeah, it reminds them of Adult Swim, of watching Adult Swim, just the stone, the quirky stoner aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, they made a reference to that in another, in the tennis match episode, they made references to The Godfather. And, oh, I like that one a lot. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, where you first call in Telly and we're giving her the proposition at your desk, what she needed to earn your tennis racket. That was the the Godfather. <laughs> and and they, in the one episode, they made fun of that old classic 40s movie, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, but instead you guys were looking for The Treasure of Sarah Maud. Yeah, that was the episode where at the very end you got absolutely drenched in that uh, that hole you guys like dug underground. Oh man, that must have been tough to act in. Probably cold too, right? That that one I do remember. Yeah, okay. I remember being. They basically ran a uh, like a fire hose up underneath the ground and dug a big hole, and then just turned the fire hose full blast. <laughs> yeah, they definitely tried to give you pneumonia on that show between that and drenching you with water balloons. You know, I, I just, listen, listen, I, I got, as, as, as far as anybody on that show, I got off so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, only... I spent, I spent very little time in the cast shower, I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they already gave you a shower in both those scenes. You didn't need yeah, any more I, of a I, shower. I was, good to go. I was good to go. My my character never never really got uh, any of the uh, the stuff. Yeah, it's I, like I never got the, I never got the business. It's like, well, would you need a shower for to wash off the water? No, you know, I think the shower was 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 built at the uh, at our interior. Uh, warehouse where we filmed all the interiors that was that was basically Kirk shower because that poor guy had to like rinse off eggs and flour and meat yeah for those who don't know Kirk was Ugg the counselor Kevin Ugly <laughs> he, was, he was having to you know utilize that uh, utilize the shower yeah I know the poor guy um that's how you know somebody's a dedicated actor. They'll put themselves through hell and back like that, knowing it's going to happen. Yeah, and the funny thing is, it was also it was so lighthearted and and, and fun. Yeah. That it, uh, you know, I mean, we were we were just having a ball. So Brett draws, makes a bunch of um, salute your shorts artwork, drawings, and paintings. I've seen them. They're fantastic. I have no artistic, like, I can't draw, I'll, I'll fuck up stick figures. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that, that's, that's amazing. Brett, do you have any pointers for him? Um, well, I mean, it helps to um, draw from life as a reference and deconstruct things in basic shape, so I usually, like, use circles for heads, and then from there I just kind of use, like, versions of 
cylinders for like arms and legs. So it's just kind of a matter of studying things and applying your own unique style to it. Um, I don't know what else I can suggest other than. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a lost cause. I mean, I'm, 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 the, uh, I'm like the last person anybody wants in like Pictionary. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe you're my partner. I'm so, we're, we're so doing. I just, I'm the guy that just makes a circle and keeps pointing towards it. Uh, <laughs> well, there's something you might be excited to hear about because um, starting June 1st this year is the 30th anniversary of Fluji Shorts. And I figured, you know, I don't, I don't really know what anyone else is doing for that, but I'll be drawing every single episode of the show to kind of honor and commemorate it as well as do nice. a design. So once did, those are did done, you just say, you, you said 30 years? 30? 30? God, we're getting old. Yep, thirty. Boy, that's that's yeah, just, like that's almost depressing. Right. That's almost depressing at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm. Um, oh, yeah, I'm doing that to honor the series, and hopefully it goes well. And I'll get you guys in on it. Yeah, um, what's it called? He can make a whole storyboard about every single episode and see if you remember any of it. He can refresh your memory. But yeah, what's it called? He doesn't even remember getting what was supposed to be pancake mix dumped all over him. You only know that happened because you have a picture of it. That that wasn't that wouldn't be a hard one for me to remember since that was my favorite episode. That was the one where you became counselor. Yeah, that one, what's it called? I remember it was called Upside Down Week at Camp, and that's why they switched roles. Yeah, where all the girls dressed up as guys and I vice remember versa. That yeah. I remember that episode. Yeah. And all the guys were dressed up as old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Donkey Lips had like a. One Donkey of, Lips. Yeah. I, I, have, <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's, I have not heard that name in. God knows how many years. He's actually on social media. Um, so many of those 90s Nick stars are on social media. <laughs> like, nice. Yeah, I, I recently interacted and became friends with the woman, speaking of 80s Nick, the woman who played um, the mother in various adult roles on You Can't Do That on Television. That was a good show. I, I was a kid when yeah. I was out. I was I was three, four years old, five years old. Oh yeah, but yeah, that show was literally like the show that at the time when people thought of Nickelodeon, they thought of that show. That was yeah. the inventor of the green slime. What was the uh, the yeah. the lunch guy's name? Barf. Barf. Yeah, the Barf. restaurant yeah. owner. Yeah. I I still remember as a little kid. When I was obsessed with that show and I didn't know what the word barf meant and my brother, knowing I didn't know what it meant, told me to tell our mom that her cooking tastes like barf. And I, and so I thought it was, he was referencing the show. So thinking that's what he meant, I told her that. And <laughs> funny enough, she didn't get mad at me. She got mad at him because she knew I didn't know what it meant and she knew that he must have told me to say it. Wow, that worked out in your favor. I enjoyed that show. 
I enjoyed that show because it had um, it had the stuff coming out of the lockers, which was sort of a throwback to like um, laughing. Oh yeah. Even even at a young age, I'm like, that's really cool. As a young kid, I remember enough about laughing that I went like, you know, you know, adult humor is, and I thought for a, a, when I saw that, I went, that's laughing. You know, they're coming out of the boxes and sort of telling jokes and doing that. And I went like, that's really cool. Yeah, and one thing I love about the show is just the boundaries they pushed on it. It was literally probably like the absolute darkest, most un-PC show that was intended for kids. <laughs> it, yeah. I remember back then, the things like we could do as kids, like our parents didn't really watch us like they do the kids. The, uh, they do with the kids nowadays. I mean, I could just walk away from the house, go miles away. And back then it was very happy-go-lucky you know you weren't worried about yeah. anything but yeah it's more like a sense of trust between everyone and less about like verifying stuff on phone so it's nice to have that creative freedom or really just freedom of any kind growing up in an environment like that well and plus that then people knew how to take humor and realize and they were able to see the clever aspect and that kind of humor rather than just focusing on the negative about it. Like, I feel like even with the absolute most horrific topics, as long as you're clever about it and people know you're not just simply trying to be inflammatory for the sake of being inflammatory, that um, that you get a much better reaction. I feel like people can tell when somebody's not putting much thought into the inflammatoriness and just simply trying to shock people. Yeah, the intention is very different in both of those situations. People can pick up on that through the context of their words. So I agree with you there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, um, what's it called? I know how nowadays, even Weird Al, like, um, they wouldn't allow songs like Fat because people would complain about it being insensitive and insulting to heavy people when um, what's as sensitive a topic as that may be, he managed to make it very clever, so it was hard for anybody to be against that song. Yeah, I don't think it was his original intent back in the late 80s to, uh, you know, shame heavier set people. It was just more of like, how can I cleverly, you know, write these lyrics that contrast, you know, Michael Jackson's lyrics to bad, and that's how I thought growing up. And I think, I think there was a different perspective on media back then that's not really present now because of the overabundance of different types of media. And it just seems like people yeah. harp on little things now versus <laughs> they, they, like, oh, we're just taking it in good fun. Yeah, yeah. they they're yeah. nowadays they're looking for things to create controversy over. So the first half hour is about to. Stop. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to click stop real quick, save the episode, and then click record again.